if you were here last week, you remember we were talking about Paul giving a warning to uh, the Philippian church, and he's warning them against false teachers. And so there was this particular um, ideology or theology that these false teachers were teaching. These guys were called the Judaites, and they were teaching this idea to anyone who had wanted to become a Christian or someone, right, anybody that, that wasn't already a Jew who was wanting to become a Christian, which were Gentiles is what they call them, and Gentiles are basically us unless you're Jewish. So that's anybody who's not Jewish. The Bible refers to those people as Gentiles, right? And so um, these these Judaizers were teaching people who were Gentiles that in order to become a Christian, what they had to do first was become a Jew. And then once they became good Jews and they followed all the Jewish customs and all the Jewish laws, then they could be Christians. And that sounds like a great idea, except there was a lot of problems with that. Like, first and foremost, it just wasn't a biblical idea, right? Like, Jesus teaches us and Jesus shows us that the only way to get saved is by faith in him. And so it wasn't this idea of first you have to become a Jew and do this, 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 and this, and then God's going to let you in the club. It's no, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We realize that we're sinners lost in need of a Savior. We come to him for forgiveness. He forgives us, and then we spend the rest of our lives chasing after him. It's this really beautiful idea. And so the problem with what the Judaizers were teaching is wasn't, it wasn't true. It was, uh, it was um, this thing that really led to um, what ultimately was this idea of legalism, which teaches me if we, if we, we follow that trend, it basically teaches us that we save ourselves. That if we work hard enough, if we do enough, if we try enough, if we put it in today's context, it's if I go to church enough, if I give enough money to the church, if I tithe enough, if I do enough good things, then eventually Jesus is going to let me in the club. And that's just not the truth. That's, that's not, right, that's not it. And so we have to be careful and run from that because ultimately what happens is we begin to think we can save ourselves. And we quit relying on Jesus for salvation, but ourselves for salvation. So kind of the message last week from Paul was like, hey, Christian, Relax, man. Relax. Know that you can stack up all of your good works next to Jesus trying to earn your way in the club. And at the end of the day, remember Paul says it just smells like filth next to Jesus. And so it was, hey, Christian, relax. Know that it's his righteousness that saves us, not not our own. It's his goodness. It's his kindness. It's his mercy that saves us, not of our own. And so our goal for last week was trusting him for your salvation. And then enjoy, spend your life pursuing him. Not in some kind of guilt that I have to or it's this weight so that I can be saved. It's you're saved. Now you get to chase him with your life. You see the difference? It's beautiful, right? So this week, Paul is going to kind of move on. He's saying, all right, now don't, I don't want you guys to just rest in that salvation, but I want you to pursue him. And so Paul's going to give us some really good tips on how to mature in the Christian walk, in your Christian faith. And so we're just going to pay, see what he has to say about how we can. He's going to give us a few tips on how we can mature in the Christian walk. And so I'm going to read from Philippians 12 um, to verse 21. And then we'll only have one chapter left to do next couple weeks, right? It says, now that I have, not that I have already attained, excuse me, not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching toward to what is forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. 
And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to what truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I've often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross. Cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glory, glorious body by the power that enables us to subject everything to himself. That was a lot, right? That was a lot. There's a lot to take in. And so what I want to do is kind of walk through that and point out a couple of things that Paul is trying to tell us, tell the church, tell Christians about how we can and should um, mature in our relationship with him. Some kind of tips for us. And so he starts off in 12. He says, not that I've already attained or reached the goal or am fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ. Paul starts off with this idea of, of showing us, revealing to us that he hasn't arrived, right? Like Paul's saying, look, I've, I'm saved. We trust in Jesus for our salvation, but I haven't attained it. I'm not, or not, I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived, right? I, I, I still have work to do. Not work to be saved, but work to chase Jesus and to know him deeper and to know him more. Just as last week Paul was saying, look, guys, rest easy, get friends. Jesus saves you, not your works, not your good deeds, He's saying this week, but don't just stop there. Don't just be satisfied. Chase him with your life. He's saying God still has work to do in your life. God still wants to transform your life. God still has work to do in you. He's still working in you. He's still calling you to something bigger. And I think that if, if we just start out with what a huge sign of maturity is as individuals, like just in your, your life, but as, especially in your Christian walk, a huge sign of maturity is realizing that you don't have it all together just yet. A huge sign of maturity is learning to be able to humble yourself and say, I can still learn. I can still grow. God still has work to do in my life. And that doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for like a day or 45 years, 60 years, 100 years, right? Like if, if you knew like Methuselah, right? God can still work in your life. God can still transform your life. God still has really incredible things that he wants to do in you. He's not done with you yet. But the first step of that is for us to step back and realize he's not done with me yet. There still has work to do. If, if, if you were here last week, you'll remember in verse 6, Paul talked about the way he was before he was a Christian. He's like, man, I thought I was blameless. I was, basically, Paul just lays out this laundry list of how awesome he thought he was before he was a Christian. I was, you know, a Jew of, Jew, of all Jews, like circumcised on the eighth day. Like, basically, he thought he was perfect. He was trusting his own righteousness. But he says, but then the gospel revealed to me my weaknesses. The gospel revealed to me, right? The gospel humbled him. The gospel helped him see that he still had, God still had work to do in his life. And I think that's a key thing, right? Because when we see that we still need Jesus, when we see that we aren't perfect, that we still need to grow, we as individuals become more humble, right? I mean, that's kind of an easy concept. Like if I'm thinking I'm perfect, then I'm not going to be that humble of a person, right? Right? Uh, it kind of follows, you know. I know you guys thought I was perfect, but I'm not heard that. 
But when we realize that we aren't perfect, that God still wants to work in our lives, we become more humble. And, and not only to become more humble, but how we view other people will change as well. When you realize that God still has work to do in your own life, you become less critical of other people. <laughs> you become less smug towards other people. You become less judgmental of other people because you understand that you still need to grow as well. You see others differently because you realize that you need the same grace that they need in your own life. You still need the same forgiveness that they need in your own life. More importantly, or maybe most importantly, when we humble ourselves and realize that um, God still wants to work in our lives, it allows us the opportunity to grow. Because if you don't think you have any growth left, you're going to stop growing. (laughs) It opens you up to learn more. It allows God to work in your life. Understanding that there is still growth and work to do in your life is, is the starting place. It's the beginning. It's the foundation. So Paul moves on. He says, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also already been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Brothers, I do not consider myself to take hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal of the prize the prize promised by God's heavenly call and Jesus Christ. So Paul says, because I know God still has work to do, I passionately chase Jesus. We see that this is a, a theme in Paul's writing. Like if you look at a couple different ones, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, this is a pretty famous one. I love this verse. He says, don't you know, he compares the Christian walk to running in a race. He says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? So he's talking to the Christians. He says, run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do not do it to receive a crown that will fade away, but we a crown that will never fade. Isn't that cool? He says, therefore, Christian, he's talking to us, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly. So we're not chasing Jesus aimlessly. He says, who runs aimlessly or box like one being in the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself may not be disqualified. Paul's talking to the church and he's saying, Run, running involves exercising self-control. Following Jesus, follow, it needs self-control, not running aimlessly or boxing the air, disciplining our bodies. We need to understand that we still need work. We need to pursue Jesus passionately and with discipline. Secondly, there was this thing that Paul said in there where he said, forgetting the past and reaching ahead. Did y'all catch that? It's kind of an interesting, forgetting and reaching, it's kind of an interesting uh, idea. He says, for, he says, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Jesus Christ. Running a passionate race involves this idea of forgetting and reaching. I think both are essential to our maturity. So, like, imagine if you're running a race um, and you look behind you. You're going to have a hard time, right? Like, I'm thinking about, I'm think, unless you're Usain Bolt, you can't run really well looking behind you. Like, if you're thinking you're going to win a race and you're running, you're beating everybody, you look behind you, what's going to happen? You're going to get distracted by the people you're looking at. You're going to lose, your, lose momentum because you're looking behind you. And then you're probably going to trip and fall and bust your face. <laughs> at least I would. Maybe you guys are more uh, better than, I don't know, right? 
You can't look over your shoulder while you're running or you're going to get distracted. You're going to stumble and you're going to lose momentum. So Paul tells us, you're like, well, that's really helpful. So while I'm running the Christian race, don't look behind my shoulders, like don't walk. But what does that mean? There's two things I think that Paul means here. The first thing he's telling us to forget is to forget failure. Oftentimes in our lives or in our Christian walks, we, we allow our past failures and our past sins to define or predict our futures. We let those things still hold on to us. And I, I just, as I was reading this today or this, this week and studying this, this really stood out to me, and I really wanted to kind of focus on this today. And I want you to know that as a Christian, your past doesn't predict your future. Oftentimes, our past is a really good indicator of our future if we don't change, right? But the past doesn't determine your future. If you've had a bad childhood, or if you had bad parents, or if you've made mistakes, or if you've been lost in sin, or you've, you know, you've just been hurt or hurt others, I want you to know that those things don't define who you are in Christ. You'll certainly experience some consequences from the mistakes you've made in the past, but I don't want you to think that they determine the rest of your life. The gospel is more powerful than any sin you've committed. The gospel is more powerful than any sin you have committed. If Jesus says it's over, it's done, it's forgiven. Remember that. It's over. It's done. It's forgiven. Don't let it hold, your, hold you captive. And also, don't let others use your past to hold you captive. I think that's something that gets lost. If you pay attention to Paul, the guy writing this, who's telling us to forget the past, <laughs> Paul was a murderer, if you know much about his life. But he's not sulking, thinking God could never use his life. Paul had been redeemed. He had been saved. He had been transformed. So now he doesn't let his past determine his future. He's not going to let Satan use his failure to make him lose focus. So often Satan uses our failures to make us lose focus of where God wants to take us. So don't forget to focus on the finish line because you're too busy looking back and remembering or being reminded about where you failed. Follow Paul's lead and forget as you run. And I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Like forgetting the past doesn't mean, um, forgetting the past doesn't mean that you don't make the situation right. It doesn't mean that you don't go to people that you've wronged and ask for forgiveness or or try to correct what you've done wrong. We must deal with sin. Like that's why I said sometimes you might, if you've messed up in the past, there's going to be some consequences that might come along with that. But don't let that control your future. Don't, let, don't think that, that that's going to define where you go from here on out because Jesus says it's over, it's done, it's over, and it's done. Friends and family often have a terrible way of not letting us forget our sin, right? Oftentimes they try to remind us of who we were, not who God wants to make us, not what God is doing in our lives. So I want you to hear that today, man. If God is working in your life, if God is transforming your life and you've, and you've made mistakes in the past, which is, hello, all of us, <laughs> don't let people who maybe lived in that life and knew you in that life define where God wants to take you from here on out. Define what God wants to do in your life from here on out. Don't let them keep reminding you and bringing you back there. Remember this, that God has the final word. God is the one who says who you are. Not those around you, not Satan, not the own voices that you listen to in our heads. 
If God has forgiven you, if God has redeemed you, if God is transforming you, then look forward, look at the goal, and run, baby. Go. Go. So Paul says to forget what is behind us, forget, forget our past sin, and reach forward. The second thing that he says that I think he's talking about here when he says forgetting is forgetting our successes, too. Like What? Why would I forget my successes, man? Here's what I mean by that. Paul doesn't want the church to get complacent and let past accomplishments keep them from pursuing Jesus in the future. Sometimes our success makes us complacent and gives us kind of a desire to cling to the glory days. Like, you ever been around people who just talk about the good old glory days? Like, I get, I used, there was this one guy I knew, he was always, let me tell you about this one guy. No, I'm just kidding. There's one guy I knew who's always talking about the good old days of the church, the glory days of the church back like 100 years ago. And I'm like, that was awesome, but I want to see the glorious days of the church now. I want to live in God's power now. I want to live in God's authority now. I don't want to, I'm done clinging to the success of the past. I want to work towards some beautiful things in the future, man. Like if you get around those people long enough, they start to sound like that dude from Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle Rico. You know that guy? Don't be Uncle Rico. <laughs> if, you, if you take notes today, just write that. That'll be your note for the day. Don't be like Uncle Rico. If you've never seen that movie, that's this like guy who, you know, in high school, apparently he was a good athlete. So he's always talking about the past and how great he was. And I could throw this football. Back when I was in high school, I could throw this football over that mountain, you know, and you're like... All right, we all have that uncle, don't we, huh? All right, and if you don't, guess who it is? (laughs) Don't be Uncle Rico. Uh, Babe Ruth, another guy you may have heard of, had this really cool quote that I used to keep on my lock screen on my phone to remind me to work hard every day. And uh, the quote was this. It said, yesterday's home runs don't win today's games. I think that's true for the Christian walk as well, right? Like, don't let the success of your past, like, well, I did good yesterday. I walked faithfully yesterday. Today I can take the day off. No, Paul's saying pursue Jesus every day. Discipline yourself every day. Spend time in the word every day. Pray every day, right? Chase him passionately every day. So Paul doesn't want us to be clinging to the past, looking at our success in the past and becoming complacent. He wants us pushing forward, being transformed daily, being changed daily, having God, experiencing God daily. There's another guy, Bill Belichick. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. And uh, he, he has this really good habit of pushing forward and looking forward. Like, um, I re- there's this press conference that really stood out to me. Um, uh, it was, I think it was last year. But they had had some controversy going on with their ball club because they're cheaters. <laughs> Go Cowboys. And um, anyways, um, that's, that's besides the point. Um, but anyways, and so the, the reporters kept bringing it up, kept asking him questions about, uh, about what had happened. And every, every time they'd ask him a question, he would just say, we're on to Cincinnati or Seattle or whatever, whatever team it was. They'd say, well, what about this thing that happened? We're focusing on Seattle. What about this? We're focusing on Seattle. What about this? We're focusing. He wouldn't let the reporters bring up the past. Failures or successes, he's saying, we're focused on next week's game. We're focused on next week's battle. We're focused on next week's adventure. Every time they pointed to the past, he pointed to the future. Paul isn't letting past accomplishments get in the way or make him lazy. Paul is focused on remaining faithful until the race is over. He says, one thing I do, I pursue Jesus every day. One thing I do. So Christians, we need to humble ourselves and acknowledge that, first of all, we need to grow. We need to pursue Jesus with passion and discipline. We need to forget the past. Don't let Satan hold your sins of the past against you. And don't let your successes of the past get in the way of what God wants you to do in your life. 
So Paul gives us these great tips, and then he moves on. He says, therefore, all who are mature should think in this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, and they are focused on earthly things. Paul says a lot there, but as as we're sticking with this theme of Christian maturity and how to grow in our relationship with God, essentially what he's saying right there is who you spend time with matters. Who you walk in life with matters. Who you spend time with matters. As a faithful Christian, pursue Christ with others who are pursuing Christ. He says, join in imitating me, brothers. Faithful examples are those who live out the values that the Bible teaches. It's important to receive good teaching. Like this is a really important thing that we do here on Sunday mornings where we come together and we worship Jesus together as a family and then we preach the word every week and we teach and we try to, we learn head knowledge, how to grow and we, the Holy Spirit transforms us. But, but the Christian walk isn't knowledge. It's, it's not something that's taught. It's something that's lived. It's something that's lived out in the daily life. And so Paul's saying, find people who are living the life, watch them, hang out with them, imitate them. Paul's saying, imitate me. He's not me. Well, I mean, I guess you could. He's saying, not imitate me. Right? He wants us to find people who are living the life, live closely to them, watch them, see how they live the life and imitate them. We do that in a lot of ways. We do that in small groups. We do that in serve teams on Sunday mornings. But it's important that you find people as, as a Christian, that you, who you spend time with, who you hang out with, who your closest friends are, are people who are pursuing Jesus too. People who are passionately pursuing Jesus because you, you can passionately pursue him together. The Christian life isn't taught, it's lived. And we learn by observing, observing the lives of other people and living life with other people who are pulling in the same direction as we are. If you want to be a passionate follower of Jesus, if you want to be growing in your walk with Jesus, then you need to be and surround yourself with people who are passionate followers of Jesus, people who are growing closer to Jesus, because that's what? They'll take you closer to Jesus. (laughs) They'll take you closer to him. And then Paul talks about these people who are enemies of the cross. And what's interesting here is a lot of times we think that he's talking about people who are Obviously not Christians who are like, you think of an enemy of the cross, you think of somebody that's like, I don't know, like a devil worshiper or something. But Paul's talking about people here who are basically fakes. He's pointing to people who um, pretended to be Christians, but when it came down to it, he says their God was their stomach. He says they're focused on themselves. He's saying avoid the fakes. They're talking about people who God is their stomach. They seek to please themselves. They're focused on this world and not Jesus. Essentially what Paul's saying echoes Proverbs 13 when he says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but whoever, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Paul's speaking to the church and he's saying, if you want to grow, if you want to passionately pursue Jesus, you need to get around other people who are growing and passionately pursuing Jesus. And then there's these people who are fakes, who are going to lead you the wrong direction. You need to run from them. Get as far away as you possibly can, man, from those guys. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. 
So there are these these tips, these ideas that Paul is giving us, not just tips, but how to imitate him. He says, you need to humbly humble yourself and understand that we need to grow. We need to pursue Jesus with passion and discipline. Forget the past. Press forward one single-mindedly. Press forward and run the race with others who are running the race in the same direction as you. <laughs> with single-minded devotion. Paul's main focus here is how we run the race how we run the race. And so this morning, I just want us to think on that, focus on that. I want us to examine our own hearts there, right? Like, how are we running the race? If Paul is saying, I press forward towards the goal, I passionately pursue Jesus, right? I understand I haven't attained. I want us to just, as we worship Jesus together today, I want us to kind of examine our own hearts and minds and ask the question, am I doing that? Am I living that? And, and not beat yourself up if you're not, right? Because that's not what we're about here. But to step back and examine and say, all right, God, how can you show me to do this better? How can you teach me to walk with you closer? Because at the end of the day, that's not a weight that you bear. That's a beautiful joy that you get to bear If to do that, to know him deeper, to have him transform your life. And so I'm going to pray, and, and the band's going to come. We're just going to kind of worship Jesus together. And I want to remind you, man, if there's anything going on that you'd love to talk about or pray with somebody about, we'll have some guys with lanyards hanging out right here that can pray with you or talk to you, or you can find me. I'll be right here, okay? But let's be a church. Let's be a people that passionately pursue the Savior together. Let's be a people that are chasing him daily. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for this church and this place. Lord, I thank you for a new year, a fresh start for so many people. God, we want to be a church, and we want to be people that are growing closer to you, that are walking closer to you. And so I, I pray that you would help us to humble our hearts. <laughs> so often that's where it starts, is just humbling ourselves and realizing that we need more of you, realizing that we still have room to grow. Father, I pray that you would teach us to pursue you with passion and discipline. Father, I pray that, and this one specifically, I pray over this place, Lord, that, that you would help us to, to forget the past in a sense that we won't allow others or Satan to hold our past against us, but we'll be able to focus forward. Lord, I pray that we won't um, let our past successes let us become complacent, but our past successes will actually propel us closer to you. Lord, with single-minded devotion, help us to strive towards you, Jesus. I pray that you, would, that you would surround us with people who love you passionately, that you would make us people who love you passionately, that would take others towards you, and that the enemies of the cross, man, that we would be wise to run from them. Lord, we love you. We, we just want to know you deeper, Lord. Take us to that place, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.